Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Two weeks ago, uh, we talked specifically, we began this series that we're in, and we talked specifically about how God was really kind of talked to us uh, primarily about uh, the role of cleaning the inside of our life. So many times we get caught up in making sure we do everything right on the outside, and many times we ignore the things that on the inside that God is dealing with us about. And Jesus talked about it specifically. He, uh, he, he went on to discuss it many different times. But this time in Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 20, he says, It is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Jesus uses some word pictures in his ministry that show many times we can clean everything up on the outside and perform all the religious rituals and connect to all the right things. The true work of Christ, though, must be done more than just cleaning up the outside. It must begin deep within us and do the best way I can describe it is what we've called this series, a deep clean. And if you're serious about cleaning deep, it will require you to deal with some stuff that many times is just easier not to deal with. Uh, the first week we talked about dealing with the damaging effects of shame and the need to be freed from it. Last week we talked about bitterness and how it can rob us of joy and even cause us to forfeit God's plan. But if we allow God, he will take those things that should cause us bitterness, those things that were meant to harm us, and he can turn them into something great for him. And now this week in our final week of the series, we're going to tackle another heart issue. And uh, this one has the power in many cases to fly under the radar to, if I'm being honest, it's one of those heart issues that Christians will allow themselves to ignore in their life because they've surrendered so many other things to the Lord. I gave up this and I gave up that. So if I've got that one, that's okay. Uh, they'll wax eloquent about all the sacrifices and all the things that they don't do anymore. Uh, they take great pride in just how holy they are and how close to God they are. And many times it is that same pride that causes them to think more highly of themselves than they should think and causes them to lose sight of salvation by grace, assuming that they've achieved the spiritual status that they are by all that they do rather than all that he has done. Can you say amen? So if you turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 18, uh, we're going to dive into Luke chapter 18 today. Uh, uh, one of the, to me, one of the really st stories that Jesus tells that Jesus just gets really down and dirty with some folks. And I love this story. It says, verse nine, then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Verse 10, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. 
I read my Bible plan every day. I attend all the church functions, even some extras. I always vote the right way. I'm smarter than them. I stay informed. I get all my vaccine information from TikTok and YouTube. I don't have any debt. I am too blessed to be stressed. I am on my way to six-figure income. My kids don't do drugs. I don't live in that part of town, and I post the best selfies. Look at me. Doesn't he say that in y'all's Bible? Oh, okay. But the tax collector, verse 13, stood at a distance, and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk to us today about humbling our pride, humbling our pride. At the beginning of my message today, I'm curious how many of you would say you got a problem with pride? Just quickly raise your hand. Okay, great, great. Okay. If you're online, type in the chat if you got a problem. I got a problem with pride. Okay. Great. If you do, I'm talking to you today. But I'm especially talking to all those people who were too proud to raise their hands this morning because the truth of the matter is all of us at one level or another struggle with pride. And the truth is you can deny it if you want to. It doesn't change the fact that we all kind of struggle with pride from time to time. And pride is ridiculously challenging to identify. What we do know about pride is this, a couple of things. Pride is dangerously destructive and pride is difficult to detect. Pride is dangerously destructive, and it's difficult to de detect. It's incredibly destructive, but it's also very difficult to see in the mirror. If you got up this morning and looked in the mirror, pride didn't stand out on your forehead. But if you're suffering with it, it shows in the actions that you take every day. Most of us, when we think of things like bad sins, we think of things like sexual immorality or theft or murder or adultery or greed or wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, all those things that Jesus called out in Mark chapter 7 that we began this lesson with today. But he includes this one thing in the midst of that that we like to hide away in our heart. It's included as one of those things that originates with us on the inside but has the power to defile us. And the truth is we all sometimes struggle with a little bit of pride. And the truth is God hates pride because it's destructive and it's difficult to detect. In fact, there are a couple of verses from Scripture that say things like Proverbs 16 and 5, the Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. Proverbs 8, 13, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. It's dangerously destructive and it's difficult to detect. The challenge is this, those who need it the most this morning, they don't know they need it, Right? They don't know, and they won't admit it. It's a difficult topic to preach about, and the truth is I would rather be up here preaching today about miracles, signs, and wonders, revival, get you all hyped up and send you home with big smiles. But those moments in the presence of God, they don't always deal with the difficult stuff that's going on in our lives if we don't take time out to expose ourselves to God and his work on the inside. Many times we can run the aisles and have a great time, but that just prolongs the inevitable. And the reality is the hidden stuff of our hearts, we will all deal with it at some point, either by choice or by force. 
And so today I'm choosing to hopefully help us deal with something that is destructively dangerous, difficult to detect. And if we are all being honest, we kind of all have a little bit of a problem with from time to time. Throughout history, throughout the entire Bible, we see examples of people who struggled with pride, beginning with God's first creation, Adam and Eve, they struggled with pride. King David, man after God's own heart, he struggled with pride. Peter, the first uh, preacher of the day of Pentecost, the first man on the scene, he struggled with pride. And see, it's Peter, he knew all about pride and being prideful, but then he also knew about being humbled. After confidently declaring his loyalty to Jesus, I'll never leave you, Lord. Everybody else can walk away, but I'll be right there with you. He denied the Lord three times before the rooster could crow at second crow the next morning. So Peter knew what it was like to be controlled by pride, but he also knew the devastating effect of the fall after being controlled by pride. The same Peter who denied he even knew the Lord, he writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, in the same way you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Then you get to do this wonderful scripture, cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. So before we get too far into the message today, I want to address a question that many of you may have, and you may even be asking yourself, hey, is it always a sin to be proud? Is all pride sinful? And the answer is no. If your kids treat somebody kindly and you're proud of your kid for taking all the things you've been teaching them and applying them to life, I think that's a good thing to be proud of. That's something that you can really be proud of your child for. It's also not prideful, I don't think, to bring your best to something that matters. I've heard people being described as proud because they serve with excellence. No, no, no. It's okay to serve with excellence. That's not an issue of pride. It's also not a sin to be proud and confident in the gifts and talents that God has given you. If you are, you are confident in what God has blessed you with and put in your life and you use it to the best of your ability, that's not an issue with pride. That's not sinful pride. So not all pride is sinful. So what is sinful pride? What, what makes pride sinful? If God hates it, then I think it's important that we know what it is that makes it sinful or when does it cross the line and become something sinful. It always makes me laugh when I see preachers or extremely spiritual people post something online and they want to say they are proud of their kids or their wife or their church or something their church did and they will talk about how Holy Ghost proud they are. <laughs> the problem is they have pride in something that's good but they have so much pride in their role or their status or your perception of them as a spiritual leader that they want to put qualifiers on their pride lest you think they are proud, right? I'm so Holy Ghost proud. As if being proud and having the Holy Ghost somehow makes it more okay to be filled with pride. I don't know. Just a thought. It's just something I think about. That's how my mind works. I'm sorry. If you're one of the ones that posted, you were Holy Ghost proud. I'm sorry. So if some pride is okay, and there's also pride that's sinful, we should probably know where that line is and when it's been crossed. And here's a way I think that you can tell when pride has become sinful. Uh, I told them in the first service they should write this down and put it somewhere close so they can read it. It's this. Sinful pride is an elevation of ourselves above others and a denial of our need for God. Sinful pride is an elevation of self above others and a denial of our need for God. 
And so today I want to look at three different types of sinful pride, using that as a guide. Sinful pride is an elevation of ourselves above others and a denial of our need for God. I want to look at three different types of pride. First type of sinful pride that I see, and I see it in myself, I see it in others, is this. Number one, I'm better than you pride. I'm better than you pride. Now, most of you are like, oh my God, he's real, that's bad. Why would he say something like that? I, he's not better than me. And you're right, I'm not. And you aren't better than me. None of us are better than anyone else. But I see that in people all the time, the idea that shouts, I'm better than you pride. We see this type of sinful pride really in Jesus' parable in Luke that I read to you. What does it say? It says, the Pharisee looked down at the tax collector and said, thank God I'm not like him, that filthy tax collector. Thank God I'm not like him. It's the I'm better than you pride. What, what's odd is that this Pharisee had no idea really anything about him other than that he was a tax collector. And he doesn't have any idea of how full of himself he really is. So pride is dangerously destructive, difficult to detect. But let me share with you how you can detect this kind of pride. If you've ever excused your bad behavior or your mistakes by saying, well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so, you got I'm better than you pride. If you've ever seen some horrible uh, activities on the news that some group or individual was involved with and thought, well, at least I've never done that you've got a little bit of I'm better than you pride. And God hates pride. I want to acknowledge some of y'all right now. You're, you're trying not to look at your spouse and blame them for having this kind of pride. But let's keep the blame game to ourselves today, okay? Let's just point at us. Some of you are thinking, Pastor Rodney, this is barely point number one. You're already getting deep. And that's kind of true because this series is not called a gentle scrubbing. This series is not called just a slight cleaning this series is called Deep Clean, right? And so sometimes we got to dig in because that's what pride is. It's deep inside of us. It's rooted in us. It is there in us. And we have a hard time getting rid of us. Most of us don't ever come up to somebody and say, I'm better than you. But this type of sinful pride often manifests itself as a spiritual pride or a critical spirit. Now, maybe for you, it's like, oh, I would never watch that kind of movie. Like, I watch Netflix, and I watch my old Victorian shows, and it's got a few risque moments, but, you know, it's okay. I mean, it is historical, right? I would never watch something like that. Or maybe you say, I'd never drink that kind of drink, or I'd never vote for that kind of candidate, or maybe it's at work for you. Like, nobody works like me, man. On the job, I am the, I'm the first one there. I'm the last one to leave. Nobody's going to outwork me. I am the best at what I do. Nobody can do it any better than me. Or maybe it's in the current events. Oh, everyone is so stupid. I'm the most informed. I mean, I watch Fox News all day, and I have CNN in my earbuds, and I just know everything that's happening all around us all the time, and I am the most informed. Or maybe it's in your relationships. I think it's especially true in relationships. Let me talk to the married couples for a moment. Because married couples, you know this, when you get married, you're going to fight, right? You notice how nobody will admit it? Man, we fight. Y'all are acting like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. And some of y'all were in the parking lot yelling at one another in the car when you got here today. No, we are not going there after church today. We are going home. You fight when you're married. I know my wife and I don't fight either. We have intense moments of fellowship. 
But I'm telling you, some of the biggest fights in married couples occur because one spouse thinks they're better than the other. They'll never say that, but they justify their bad attitude by saying, my attitude ain't as bad as yours. Or they justify their bad actions by saying, yeah, I did that, but look at what you did. It's not just in married couples, though. Some of us, let's be honest, you're struggling in your relationship with others or building relationships with others. You're frustrated because you're lonely and you don't have any friends. But every time somebody tries to get close to you or build relationships with you, you talk so much about yourself that they don't ever get a chance to get involved anyway. And so it just feels like all you want to do is be about you. Or you hold such a high standard for the people that you want to associate with that if, the, if somebody feels like they can't even get close to you because you are too far above them. God, help me deal with my I'm better than you pride. It's a comparison game that you can't win because it causes you to come down on the wrong side of God in regards to pride because you're so busy trying to be better than someone else who is just as flawed as you, just as many issues as you, would you when you should be instead comparing yourself to Jesus and working toward him instead of making sure that you're better than those on your level. Maybe y'all didn't hear that. We spend so much time making sure we're better than this person and I'm doing better than this when we ought to put our eyes on Jesus. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I want to look to Jesus who thought it wasn't a robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself the form of a servant so that he might bring me into relationship with him. I want to compare myself to him. And if I'm comparing myself to him and I'm getting closer to him, guess what? It doesn't matter how much I ascend above you on this level because I've got always work to do when I compare myself to him. Can you say amen? Now, let's move on to the second type of pride. I probably offended all of you with the first one, so let's move on to number two. That's the type of pride that says I can handle it. I can handle it, pride. Now, some of you, if you're honest, this is your type of pride. I heard somebody say, oh, no. I must have got a little close to home. This is a pride in yourself. Maybe for you, you love to give, to help others, but you find it really hard to receive. Maybe you've been dealing with the same obstacle, the same challenge for years, the same addiction, and you can't overcome it because you're too prideful to ask for help. I can handle it. I got this. And it's obvious that you can't because if you could, you would. Right? You're just too proud to admit it and ask for help. Perhaps one of the biggest indicators of this type of I can't handle it pride or I can handle it pride is the fact that people with this kind of pride have a really hard time in prayer. They rarely pray. Now, I don't mean they rarely, you know, do the now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you don't pray over your food. I'm not saying when we're here at church, you close your eyes and say all the right things. That's not what I'm saying. But really that honest, deep, get alone with God and bear your soul kind of prayer. These people have a hard time with that. You rarely talk to God about things that are real. And when you do, your prayers are flat. I mean, you look like you're praying. You say all the cliche words. You might even throw in some these and thous and end a lot of words with TH to sound really spiritual. You know, God blesseth my neighboreth and do all the great things. I beseech thee, therefore, God, by thou be out into mercies to come into this moment with me right now and to solve all of my problems and take care of all of my things, right? You might even throw in some tongues every now and then to make yourself particularly look spiritual. But if you're really, truly honest in your prayer life, Sometimes if we're honest in our prayer life, it gets a little too close to home. And so we rarely get real with God. And your prayers 
They come out going through the motion instead of actually connecting to God. They're faithless. They're predictable. God, give me a good day. God, bless this food. God, keep me safe while I travel. They're just predictable, right? And when you think about it, when you don't pray faithfully, your lack of prayer is you declaring, I don't need God. I can handle it. I can handle it. We see all the way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, God tells Adam, hey, don't eat that fruit. Any fruit you want to eat, you can have, but don't eat that one fruit. And so Adam lets Eve know, hey, we can't eat this fruit. So then the serpent comes along and tells Eve, yeah, you can eat that fruit. You won't die. Matter of fact, you'll be like God. And if you're like God, then you don't need God. And check out what Genesis 3, 6, the woman happens. It says, the woman was convinced She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Don't eat this fruit. Oh, she made dinner. Okay, time to eat. She was convinced. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. She wanted to be like God. She thought I can handle being like God. And so then she goes to Adam and she gives him the fruit and he thought, hey, It's here. Let's eat. Notice Adam doesn't even stop to ask, hey, why are we eating this fruit? I thought it was against God's plan. As a matter of fact, where'd you get this fruit? Like he didn't stop to question it. He didn't stop to just say, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. What's going on here? And notice what's the first thing they give up after eating the fruit? They tapped into their I can handle it pride because the first thing they gave up was their daily time with God. God comes looking. They're nowhere to be found. God came down every day and spent time with Adam and Eve, according to Scripture. And this day, they're hiding from God right after they sinned and right after they ate the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. So I want you to think about this for a moment. The moment that they ate the fruit, they suddenly didn't have a need for God. If they had just taken in that moment the opportunity to say, God, I'm not disputing you, but can we talk about this fruit? Because it looks really, really good. And I don't understand why you didn't say we could eat it. But if you got a reason, I understand. Can we talk about this and talk this through? Because that's really what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation between you and God. Prayer is saying, God, I got this situation and I don't understand quite how to handle it. And if you could help me out and give me some insight and give me some information, because you're so amazing. And I, I know I'm struggling with this right now. It's a conversation where you go to God and admit you can't handle it all and you need some help. Can somebody shout for prayer today? It's a good thing. Can you say amen? Then I thought to myself, what if, what would have happened if Eve would have just stopped and talked to her husband? What would have happened if they would have just stopped and talked to God, if they'd admitted they needed some help in the decision-making process? And what would have happened if when God showed up, even after they had eaten, if, if Adam would have fallen on his face and humbled himself and said, you know, this is totally my fault, God, it's on me. I didn't protect my wife. I let her walk off with the serpent. I didn't make sure that relationship was okay. What if he had fought for her and fought for his relationship with God, but instead of humbling himself, he fell into what I will call the pride cycle. This is the pride cycle. You feel like you can handle it. You got pride that leads you to sin. And then once you sin, you feel shame. And because of the shame, you're embarrassed and you don't want anybody to know. So out of pride, you cover it up and you get stuck in this cycle where the prayer, where the pride leads you to sin and sin leads you to shame. And out of shame, you cover it up. How many of you have ever made mistakes and then tried to cover them up? 
Okay, I know I'm the only one. I know I'm preaching to me. Y'all don't do anything wrong ever, but trust me, let me just explain to you. There are times in pride I have made major mistakes, and once I sinned, I was embarrassed and shameful of them, and guess what I tried to do? I tried to cover them up because I didn't want to get caught, and I didn't want nobody noticing my shame. And it's a cycle because the more you do it, the harder it is to get out. And it's really all a response to being too proud to admit I can't handle it. Why do we cover it up? Because we want to pretend we're strong enough. We want to pretend that we can handle it. In fact, the Bible says that Adam and Eve, when they ate the fruit, they realized they were naked and they says they were ashamed. And we talked about it two weeks ago. They took leaves and they covered their shame. We do this with our lives. We try to cover it up rather than acknowledge that we can't handle it. We act like we can handle it. And then we feel shame and we hide. I want you to understand, if this is your type of pride, humble yourself. If you're addicted, ask for help. If your marriage is in trouble, ask for help. If you're spiritually struggling, reach out to somebody. If you're battling depression, ask for help. Humble yourself and God will lift you up. Get honest with God. Ask God, God, do I have this type of pride in my life? Do I have, I can handle it, pride? God, am I truly submitted to you or am I trying to handle it on my own? So I'm giving you two types of pride. I can handle it, pride, and I'm better than you, pride. And some of y'all are like, whew, we made it. I'm good because those two don't apply to me. Well, can you guess what number three is? Number three is it doesn't apply to me, pride. <laughs> it doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to me. And here's how that looks. You act like you're above the rules. The rules don't apply to you. That's for somebody else. Some of y'all came to church today and you're like, oh, the message is on pride. Ooh, let me text so-and-so. They really need that. Man, I wish my wife wasn't serving in children's ministry today because she really needs this one. And my husband, he went out with the ushers and he never came back in. Let me go get him because he needs this. My kids, man, where are they at? Man, they're back. They need this one. This don't apply to me. The story is told about Muhammad Ali. Apparently, it was a time when he was on an airplane and the flight attendant asked him to put on his seatbelt. And he replied, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the flight attendant replied, Superman don't need no airplane. <laughs> you ain't Superman today and you ain't God. Sometimes we try to pretend like we're God, right? We try to act above the rules. We try to act like none of this applies to me. Other people fall for those sinful actions, but I can walk the tightrope without a net and I'm going to be okay. I can look at what I want to look at. I can do what I want to do and I'm going to be okay. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The higher you lift yourself up in pride, the harder your fall will be when you fall. Consider King David. King David, a man after God's heart. At the time when kings were supposed to go to war, King David decides, eh, I don't feel like fighting. I'm tired of fighting. I know what I should do, but I know what's proper, but I'm kind of above that. I got people for that. I say go to war, they go to war. I got people for that. I don't need to go to war. So he stays home, and he ends up somewhere that he shouldn't have been, and he sees something he shouldn't have seen, and he does something that he shouldn't have done, and he feels like he's above the rules. So he goes on a rooftop. He sees a woman bathing. He's attracted to her. He wants her. He still thinks the rules don't apply. So he brings her to his palace. He sleeps with her. He gets her pregnant. The rules don't apply to me. See, what you've got to understand is status 
without accountability is the breeding ground for pride. The more status you have, and all of us have influence, the more status you have, the more influence you have, if you don't have accountability, it's the breeding ground for pride. And I don't know where you might see this in your life, but if you'll be honest, you have to admit sometimes it's there. Maybe you think, well, I don't need to tithe. My life is pretty good without tithing. Why should I tithe? I mean, I serve at the church. I give more time than half the people that give money. Doesn't that count for my giving? Why do I have to give money? Why do I need to pay my tithes? Man, I can look at whatever I want to look at. It don't bother me. It doesn't affect me. I can post what I want. I can say what I want online. The rules don't apply to me. They, they, they know that's just how I am. I know the Bible's against fornication, but we're just having a good time. I mean, we're married in our hearts already. Why do we need to get married? What do I need a piece of paper for? Oh, here we go again. They're talking about them life groups. I tried a life group once. That ain't for me. I don't need to be connected. I don't need people to come and talk to me during the week and ask me where I've been. They ought to be thankful I show up on Sunday. Serve on a dream team. Are you kidding me? Please. Why should I have to commit, have my name on a schedule? I mean, I got a life. Why should I have to give up my free time to serve in children's ministry? I'll come to church when I want to come to church, but I ain't serving. Is there somewhere in your life, is there something in your life that you've rationalized away by thinking, this rule doesn't apply to me. They're asking for stuff that doesn't apply to me. I don't need that. Someplace in your life that you're pretending like you're above the rule. So watch this. Adam and Eve, I can handle it, pride. Leads them to sin, which leads them to shame. They cover it up. They're embarrassed. They're vulnerable. They cover up their vulnerability. King David it doesn't apply to me, pride. I'm above the rules. Leads to adultery. Leads him to feel deep shame when she turns up pregnant. And he realizes he got some trouble there, and he's in trouble, and he covers it up, and he has the husband basically killed. He sends him to the front of the hottest part of the battle so that they'll make sure he dies. And then Peter, Peter who says, I will never betray you. Peter has that I'm better than you, pride. I'm better than all the disciples. I ain't never walking away from you, Jesus. Matter of fact, I'm better than all of them right now. If they come in here, I will die with you. And he denies Jesus three times before the rooster crowed the next morning. And that leads him to shame, and he runs away. But guess what? Instead of covering up his sin, instead of covering up his shame, Peter, he humbles himself. He actually returned to Jesus. It's the same Peter who penned our text today from 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. This is Peter, the same guy, I'll never let you down, the guy who denies Jesus, the guy who steps out of the boat and starts to walk on the water. He sees the waves and the wind, and he starts to sink. That same Peter, he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will lift you up. And it's the same Peter that God did lift up. God lifted him up out of the water. God lifted him up out of his sin. God lifted him up out of his denial. It's the same God that lifts you and I up out of our sinfulness. I know I said in week one, I know it's politically incorrect to say anything is a sin, but it's very biblically correct to call out sin, and that's what I'm saying today. Pride is a sin that puts you out from underneath the hand of God, but if you will get underneath the hand of God, God will lift you up. You don't have to do it on your own, because you can't anyway. God, under his mighty hand, will lift you up. 
In our pride, we think we can take in all sorts of sinful activity, compromise our integrity, fill ourselves up with carnality and the things of this world, and then expect God to come along and raise us up to protect us, to cover us, and remove us from trouble. You need to know it's really hard to be under God's mighty hand and distant from God at the same time. And see, most of us are running around, if we'll be honest, we got stuff in our life and we've allowed it to separate us from God. And we're saying, hey, God, pull me out. Get me out of this mess I'm in. Get me out. But meanwhile, we're putting all kinds of sinful activities and actions and bad attitudes and all kinds of things that we think we're above and we think that nobody can talk to us about, and we're putting it in between us and God. We're not submitted under the mighty hand of God. We are walking our life, living our life, wanting God to come alongside and fix us. But we've got to be under the hand of God. When Adam and Eve fell in pride, they thought, I can, I can handle being like God. And then they felt shame and they distanced themselves from God. When David thought the rules didn't apply to him, he distanced himself from the battle, from the place he should have been, from his responsibilities given to him by God. When Peter in his arrogance thought, I'm more devoted than all the other disciples, I'm better than all of them, and then promptly he denies even being connected to God at all, he distanced himself toward, from God. If you want to know if your pride levels are moving towards a sinful area, you need to be aware of your proximity. You need to be aware of how close you are to God. Peter found himself sinking in the water, but he was still close enough to reach God's outstretched hand. Has all the things of this world, the choices that you've made, the troubles that you're experiencing, the relationships that you've connected yourself to, have they gotten in between you and God? If so, you need to clothe yourself, surround yourself in humility. In the Greek, it literally means to tie on like a towel. And I wonder if as Peter wrote those words, if he didn't remember a time when Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and he tied on his towel and he got down on his hands and his knees and he washed the disciples' feet. If the ushers would bring the bottles of water up front, we're going to wash feet. No, I'm just kidding. It might would be a good thing sometimes, though, if we would humble ourselves, prefer our brother over ourselves, to clothe ourselves with humility, and to prefer your brother or sister over yourself. We got to learn to rediscover the power of living in submission to the hand of God, clothed in humility. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, Right now, our world is consumed with anxiety, stress, anger. You can't even hardly watch the news without seeing something happen where somebody was killed because that somebody lashed out in anger. And you see people yelling at one another, constant battling about this, this political issue or this issue, and just yelling, 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 hollering, angry, angry, anxiety, stress, anger. And all of those things are just the excuse that people use. Those things are the fruit that's in people's life, but pride is the root. We see anger, stress, hatred, all those things, anxiety. That's just the fruit, but the root is pride. If we will destroy the pride, if we will humble the pride, the Bible says then we can cast all our cares on the Lord. We want God to really respond to our prayer and respond to our needs. We got to humble ourselves. Because then we're invited to cast all our cares on the Lord and see how he cares for us. 
You'll rediscover that you prefer your brother over yourself. If you'll discover that, if, you, if you'll discover that you can't handle it all, if you'll discover that you serve a God who can handle it and that all the blessings of living a submitted life too indeed apply to you because in humility you've submitted your life under the hand of God. If you'll discover that, I promise you, you won't be asking God, where are you? God will be right there with you going through life, helping you through situations that were bigger than what you thought possible. If the praise team would come, if you've been around Life Church for long, you've heard me talk about a pretty dark time in my life. I tend to be willing to share those things. Uh, I believe God helped me through, and uh, He can help you too. And so I tend to share those things. Maybe you identify with some of them. I've even mentioned uh, a couple of those over the last few weeks. Uh, during one particularly dark season in our life, probably during the period that I was at my lowest point, I couldn't sleep. I would get up and I'd walk the floor trying to come up with solutions of how we could get through what am I going to do? I have to fix this. There has to be something I can do. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to survive, and I'm better than this. Everyone else would fail, but these rules don't apply to me. That's not going to get the best of me. I, 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 I. I wouldn't listen to my wife. I wouldn't listen to good counsel. I had to somehow find a way, and I began to make mistakes that to this day have haunted me because I didn't feel like the rules applied to me in those situations. And I constantly pursued answers, and instead of looking inward for blame or outward for help, I did the opposite. I thought I could handle it all, and I laid the blame at the feet of others. I will never forget laying in the floor in my office at home, praying for God to deliver us, and to have God literally tell me, you don't need deliverance from this situation. You need to humble your pride. You don't need me to come in and deliver you. You need to humble your pride. Because I think in that moment, God knew if he delivered me, I'd be right back in the middle of the same problem just another week later. Because guess what? My issue wasn't the problem. The root of it was pride. The recognition that I had been consumed with pride, how was I going to succeed, how I was going to find a way before came a turning point really in my life when God said, uh-uh, I'm not delivering you. You need to humble yourself. I'd like to tell you that the moment I did, everything got better, but it didn't. I had to suffer for a little while because decisions have consequences and bad choices produce bad results. But God is faithful and he's true to his word. And when I humbled myself under God's mighty hand, when I placed him first, when I surrendered control and acknowledged that I couldn't handle it all, that I was sinking and I needed God's hand and the kindness of others, when I tied on the towel of humility and began to put God at the center and me on the periphery, when I closed the distance that had gotten between me and God, I stopped looking for answers that I could control and started submitting to God's authority in my life. Then I began to see God restore me and give me back my strength and lift me out of the murky waters of despair because my eyes had drifted too far from Jesus and got too enamored with the trouble and the storms that were around me. I say that today not to give glory to me, but so you know, I'm not speaking as a novice. I'm not up here talking to you about something that I haven't struggled with myself. I'm not speaking as someone who's never been consumed by pride. I'm not talking today as someone who's never faced the consequences of bad decision-making. But I'm speaking as someone who has learned the power of humility, sometimes even humiliation, but the power of God's ability to restore and to strengthen us after I humbled my pride. If you'd all stand with me for a moment, maybe you're like me. Maybe you think in your life, I can handle it all. Maybe you can.
until you can't. Maybe you're like me and you think, I'm better than this, until you realize you're not. Maybe you're like me and you think the rules don't apply until suddenly you find out that they do. If you're here and you found yourself in one of these three types of pride, if you see yourself in this, maybe in the I'm better than you pride, or if you see yourself in the I can handle it pride, if you see yourself in the it doesn't apply to me pride, I want to encourage you to come to this altar today. You can come to the altar, you can stay where you are in your seat either way. The most important thing you can do is humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would pray with me for a moment. Father, I thank you for this moment today. I thank you, God, that you are here in this moment with each and every one of us. And God, I know that there are things in our lives that have separated us, have distanced us, sin that has come in sometimes that we've allowed to creep into our life, God, that puts distance between us. But today, God, I'm asking you to give me one more opportunity, God, to humble myself before you to acknowledge, God, I can't do it on my own, to acknowledge, God, that I need you in every moment of my life, that I'm not above anyone else, that I want to learn, God, how to prefer my brother over myself, and I want to learn to show love to one another and to other people and not just always be concerned about me. God, help me to be humbled in your presence, God. Help me, God, to recognize that I'm nothing without you, but with you, God, I can, I can make it. I can accomplish all things. I trust in your presence today, oh God. This altar is open for you today if you'd like to come, gather around this altar, and for just a moment, pour yourself out to the Lord and say, God, help me to be humble before you, oh God. Under your hand, God, I ask you to come and put yourself under the hand of God today.
You know, it's, it's kind of funny. The last three weeks we've talked about shame, bitterness, pride. What I've found in my own life is that when I'm ashamed of what I've done, or when I'm bitter because I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm mad and I see things happening to me that seem out of my control and I don't know how to fix it and I get bitter, or when I'm proud and I think I'm above things, in all three cases, I tend to pull myself away. I tend to pull myself into my own little world, into my own little cave, into my own little place. And I hide from the world and I hide from everybody and I distance myself from the church and I distance myself from the people of God. Why? Because I'm ashamed and I'm angry and bitter and I'm too proud to admit I need help. And this morning, maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're hiding in your cave. I don't think it's by accident that God led me down the road to preach the last three weeks the things I've preached. Maybe you're hiding in your cave this morning. Maybe you have pulled yourself away. You've distanced yourself because you're ashamed about something that you did or you're bitter about something that was done or you're too proud to admit you need some help to get through it. Whatever it is today, We've come to a place where Jesus is calling you. And when he calls your name, there's only one response. We've been singing about it. We've sang about it before I preached, and now we're singing about it after I preached. There's only one response. When he calls your name, you need to come running out of that grave. Don't let your shame and your bitterness and your anger and your frustration and your pride, don't let those things be the end of you. Let them only be the start of what God is doing in your life. Because he already died to overcome your shame. He already takes the things that make you bitter and makes them better. And if you'll submit yourself under the mighty hand of God today, he will bring you out of that cave and he'll turn something great in your life, amazing in your life, out of something that was bad. And so today I'm asking you one last time before we leave this moment, if you're here today and you're there, I wonder if you would pray a simple prayer with me. I'm asking you to repeat after me. Those of you that are close to God, do it for those around you that maybe are distant from God right now. And I want you to surrender yourself to God in this moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just repeat after me in prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for reaching for me. I thank you, God, that in my pride I was pushing you away. but you kept reaching. In my shame, I tried to hide, but you kept reaching. In my bitterness, I pushed you away, but you kept reaching. And so today I surrender. I give myself to you. 
Lord, I ask you to come and forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. And I surrender my life to you. I don't want my future to be, be bad. I want it to be the great one you have planned. Lord, Jeremiah says that you have plans for me. And today I submit myself to those plans. Whatever you want from me, I'm willing to do. I give you me. And today, if you prayed that, and it's the first time you've ever prayed something like that, I want to tell you, I'm so excited for you. The Bible says that one sinner repents, it makes a party in heaven. And guess what? There's angels rejoicing in heaven right now because one sinner maybe turned their life to God. There are many more steps in your growth and in your walk with God, and we'll help you through all of that. But I want to celebrate with you right now. If you prayed a prayer of repentance for the first time, that is something to be celebrated, and we're thankful for that today. But maybe you've been, you repented of your sins a thousand years ago and you committed a whole bunch more along the way and you got them forgiven too. That's all great. But if you've been hiding in the cave because you don't want to admit that you got issues or you got problems, it's okay to have problems today, amen? As long as you know where to go. See, that's I think the biggest problem we have in our world. We have problems, but we go to all the other places instead of going to the one place that we're invited to come to. The Bible says in Hebrews that you can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain help and find grace in the time of need. Guess what? When we have a problem, we have an open invitation to come to the throne and to get what we need from God. And so today I want to encourage you, let's not, let's not in our pride be unwilling to acknowledge our problem, but let's run boldly to the throne of grace and come into his presence and get what we need. I, I said this in first service, and I'm big on declarations. I think declarations are so important. When we sing songs like we just sang, what we're doing is we're declaring things in our life. I was an orphan. Now I'm a citizen of heaven. There's a song I love right now called The House of God, and it, it, I, I, I literally play it every time I open my playlist. It's the first song I play, and there's a couple of lines in there that just speak directly to me. And, one of them is, I was a prisoner, but now I'm running free. See, you can, you can sit around and act like you don't have anything ever happened in your life, or you can acknowledge, I was this, but thanks be to Jesus, I'm not anymore. And so I think it's important that we declare some things in our life. I'm not one of those blab it and grab it preachers. I'm not one of those name it and claim it. But I do believe in declaring things in my life. And so I want to know today if you'll join with me in some declarations. Will you do it right where you're at before we're dismissed? I'm going to declare some things. And all you got to do is repeat after me. I'll make it easy for you, all right? Will you do it with me? Today I declare that I'm going to live a surrendered life. I will no longer be bound by shame. God has removed the shame in my life. I will not be controlled by bitterness. God is working all things for my good. Those things that were sent to harm me, God is bringing about good for me. And when I find myself consumed by pride, when I find myself distant from God, I will recognize where I am 
and I'll draw closer to God. I will humble myself. I will remain submitted to him. And although I may be suffering, it will only last for a little while. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. God is with me. God is for me. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. And today I am surrendered to him. I will walk in favor. I will grow in my faith. He will restore me. He will sustain me. He is my God and I am his child. And I declare it in the name that is above every name, the name that demons tremble at, the name of Jesus Christ in his name. Let's shout him crazy right now. Oh, we give you glory. We praise your name, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Some of you may think, why we do all that? What's the big deal? I just want something to be planted in your mind today. When you're walking the streets this week, when you're in your home this week, when you're on the job this week, and things happen that don't, not what you plan, things go, go wrong, and they will because that's life. A lot of people believe, oh, the devil's fighting. Sometimes it's just life. And we can allow life to beat us up to the place that we think, oh, I don't want to go forward. But I want, to, I want you to hear some of those things that you stated today. God is for me. God is with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He is my God. I am his child. I am not alone. He is with me. I'm going forward. Why? Because he forgave me. He loves me. He is with me. He is for me. He won't ever leave me. So wherever you go, whatever you do this week, just remember, there's no place you can run that you can't cry out to him and he will come running to you. And we can find and embrace the presence of God as long as we remain submitted under the hand of the Almighty God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this series with me over the last three weeks. I hope it's been helpful for you. I've been dealing with stuff in my own life, and it's been helpful for me, and so I hope it's been helpful for you. God bless you. Have an awesome week this week. And Pastor Thompson will be back next Sunday. We'll have a great time together in the house of the Lord. God bless you. Have an awesome week.